want to be sure that you're aware, everybody's aware, that, that we won't be passing the tray for our communion service, nor will we be passing tray for our collection. Uh, you know that the box is in the back, both for our kids' gift and for our, our giving back to God, but also the link on the screen uh, would take you to uh, a, a portal that would allow you to make online gifts. Just a lot of thank yous to give at this time of year, always, but uh, just for this congregation in this moment. Really appreciate the way you got behind the, the Arms of Hope gift card. Uh, uh, more than $1,000 in gifts given. Uh, Gary has the exact number, and you could check in with him. Christmas baskets went out to 20 families yesterday, and many of them had gifts with them for children. Uh, really appreciate your effort. And, that, and I want to thank, uh, we, we had more people show up to help us deliver yesterday, and that was wonderful. Thank you for those of you who showed up for our caroling. And uh, this is a, a kind of a, goes back to the fall, but I'm not sure we've made clear to you yet, but we uh, did a, uh, the Pregnancy Help Center of Brazoria County had us uh, do a, a, a kind of a online baby bottle boomerang ask for donations. They collected $30,000 total from the whole area. And out of that $30,000, this congregation alone gave $7,200 to the pregnancy. Give a big round of applause for that. We're really enjoying seeing the Facebook posts of the families that are doing the Giving Manger Project. Thank you for getting involved, and thank you for telling us your fun stories that have been associated with that. I do need to let you know, we found out this morning uh, that uh, Ryan and Laura Arthur have uh, tested positive either last night or overnight for COVID. Uh, they were here Wednesday night, and we wanted to be sure that if you were here Wednesday night and in the space with them, you knew to be extra careful. Um, we appreciate your help with that. I guess it would also be a good time to say that for those of us who person please remember that we're asking you to know your temperature to be sure you've taken your temperature before you arrive if you have any kind of symptoms you need to be protecting the rest of us please be sure you wear your mask in and out you're welcome to not have one on in your seat but you're also welcome to wear it in your seat because we simply don't know um, symptoms don't always show up instantaneously and so please uh, be aware of those protocols and help all of us in that process as we begin our service this morning, I would ask that you would stand uh, we will, and recite with me a selection from Psalm 139. Thank you for standing and joining in. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I get away from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the furthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Come together and worship. Come, oh, come to Bethlehem. Come, bring your praise to him, the King of glory. Come, and make a joyful sound. Come, bow before 
those involved with our praise kids and limitless kids after what? After kid talk. That was not told to me, so kid talk time. Hey, kids, great to see you. Merry Christmas. Oh, by the way, go Cowboys. I hope that you're having fun this time of year. I hope you're enjoying your giving manger project. Look at all this straw that's in here. This church has been serving in really wonderful ways, and we've just been stacking up the straw. And I know that you have been too. You know, when Santa Claus brings presents, or maybe when Grandma or Grandpa bring presents, they sometimes have these little packets of air in them that uh, you know, or when Santa Claus puts them in there, you know it's an extra special toy because he wants to take very good care of it, wants to make sure it doesn't get broken. Don't you love that sound, that packing sound now? But the, you know, the funnest thing to do with these, and my guess is, is that Christmas morning or Christmas Eve, whenever you open your presents, there's a lot of this sound. Now get ready for it because I know it startled some of you, but that is bursting the air out of the bag. John 3.16 says, God loved the, so, the world so much that he gave his one and only son, very special son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have this life that uh, John calls eternal, full, complete eternal uh, life that's like the life God wants us to have both here and now and forever with him in eternity eternal life in a very special way that gift of Jesus that love that was poured out by God through Jesus was about bursting kind of love I don't know if you've ever had a moment where there was just so much in your heart that you just had to go ah and I, you know what? I actually know that several of you do that every once in a while. But God was so full of love when he gave Jesus, it just kind of burst forth. We hear the story uh, in Luke about angels that appeared to shepherds and they burst forth in song. We hear the story in Matthew about three wise men that come to visit and they burst forth with gifts, not just any kind of gifts, but extravagant, bursting love kind of gifts. I hope that you're excited about the gifts you're going to receive, but you know what? Christmas is much more about the gifts we're going to give. And I hope that you find a way for your love to burst into the lives of the people around you, your parents, your brothers and sisters, maybe your grandparents, maybe uh, special friends that you have. It doesn't have to be much, but I hope that your love bursts into a, a special card that you make with your own uh, coloring and handwriting. I hope that your love bursts with a big hug that you just can't help but give to the people that you love. Because I hope this Christmas you see that not only did God's love burst into the world through Jesus, but he calls us to let our love burst into the people around us. So I know you're going to have fun bursting. I want you to have fun with your heart bursting.
One more time, let's all say Merry Christmas on three. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Okay, now we can try this. No praise, kids. So we have stage two for 18 months to kindergarten and limitless kids. So all those involved with that can be dismissed at this time. I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd, watching over my soul. My soul to keep guarding over me ever, watching wherever I go. And when the winds blow, he is my shelter. And when I'm lost and alone, he rescues me. And when the lion comes, my victory, constantly watching over me. He is constantly watching over me. We are his children and he is our father, watching over our soul. Great is his love for his sons and his daughters, watching wherever we go. When the winds blow, he is my shelter, and when I'm lost and alone, he rescues me, and when the lion comes, he is my victory, constantly watching over me, he is constantly watching over me, and when the winds blow, he when I'm lost and alone, he rescues me. And when the lion comes, he is my victory, constantly watching over me. He is constantly watching over me. Good morning, church. Greetings from the Lewis household. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to pray with you this morning. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thankful for the hearts that you have opened to our family, our church family, our friends, and all of our loved ones. We thank you for the many gifts that you provide for us. We thank you for all of the blessings of life and love and happiness that we know come through you. Father, as we're gathered here this morning, whether we be in the pews or on the, you know, or watching from the television screen, we know that we are of one heart, that we love you, that we honor you, and we seek to obey you in everything that you require of us. Father, we know that we often fall short because we are human. We are not as good as we would like to be, and we're certainly not as good as you would like for us to be. But we also know that you are a loving and a forgiving God, and if we come to you asking for your forgiveness, you will always be there for us. Father, this morning as we are in the season when we celebrate the birth of your Son, we thank you for giving hearts 
We thank you for the missionaries who serve both here and abroad. Father, we ask your extra special measure of blessing on each and every one of them. We know that for some of them, there have been illnesses within their families, and for some, for all of them, there have been financial concerns because of this troubled year. Father, we, we, we always know that if we come to you, we can find the forgiveness and the approval that we need to keep doing your work. Thank you, Father, for blessing us with your Son. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for directing us. Father, we want to lift up all of those members in our, of our congregation who are suffering through illness. We know that you can heal whatever illnesses are, are afflicting them. We know that you can provide for those who are in need. Father, we also know that we are the servants that you provide to them to deliver that while we are working on this earth. Help us, Father, to always know that the direction that you want us to, to move in. Help us to be loving and caring and concerned individuals not only not just for our families but for the families of those who surround us and the families of those who are in other nations father we know that you are the god of all and we ask that you Provide the, the means for us to do what you want us to do and give us the strength to do that. Father, as we conclude this prayer this morning, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the hope that, it, that he brings to us. We thank you for the provisions that you have made for us, that he has made for us, so that we might have a home with you in the eternal. Father, continue to bless us with your presence in our lives each and every day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your caring and forgiving heart. And may we share that with those around us. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all be standing for this song. See the virgin is delivered in a cold and crowded stall. Mirror of the Father's glory lies beside her in the straw. He is mercy's incarnation, marvel at this miracle. Yeah.
I'll be starting in Matthew, then move over to Ruth. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Salmon, the father of uh, Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the king, the father of King David. Ruth 14 through 17. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you, will, where you say, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, but it ever be so severely, even if, if even death separated you and me. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above the deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light.
old church said. Um, I'm blessed to see the Lees here today. Good to have y'all here. Not quite like a grandchild. You'll have to, sorry, forgive me, but it's great to have you here. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origins are from of old, from the ancients of days. You see, before David was born in Bethlehem, and what will eventually be the story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, it was the place where Jacob buried Rachel. It was the home of the young Levite in Judges 17, and another Levite's concubine's home in Judges 19, neither of which are wonderful stories. But maybe we should most take note, and maybe... The true hero of Bethlehem, before Jesus is born there, of its native sons, maybe we should most take note that it is the home of a man named Boaz. As we continue to examine the women in Jesus' lives, we've included Eve and Tamar and Rahab, and we recognize the incredible faith that we see in each of them. Very different in each situation, but a determined, risk-taking, life-changing, unexpected faith that we have the opportunity when Matthew gives us his genealogy to when he makes these breaks from the regular son of, son of, son of to tell us about the name of a woman, it points us to a very unexpected faith. Today we're going to take a closer look at two very different women, and yet whose stories fall almost line after line in Jesus' story. In fact, these few lines in the genealogy are packed. Rahab, Ruth, and while Preston didn't read it, if you're familiar with it, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. One might say that Matthew's already too embarrassed to even mention her name. And the book of 1 Chronicles, when it retells David's story, won't even include that part of David's story as they hold him up as a hero that we want to shape and point our lives towards as we build a new nation coming back from the exile. Matthew's not embarrassed. Matthew wants to bring the point home when he talks about Bathsheba. He wants to be sure that we understand that she wasn't David's wife, first of all, and that she didn't belong to him, but God could still use her in his infinite and great love. Somebody say, Amen. Ruth's story is found in this wonderful little book that's just kind of tucked in there. If you flip your pages too fast, you'd miss it. And yet it's the story maybe not to be missed in the whole section from the death of Moses until David is crowned king. We don't want to miss the story of Ruth because it's the story that gives us such incredible images of love, loyalty, mercy, and yes, in so many ways, hope. Chapter 1 will tell us the story of Ruth's, of Naomi's history, because before we're done with the book, we will notice that Naomi is sort of the key character. 
The book's not named after her, but and in fact, her husband, Eli Melech, maybe the book should be named after him because he's a male, but instead it's Naomi becomes this focus. We understand her history as a wife of a husband, that a famine comes on the land and that the, that the family moves to the dreaded country of Moab. But apparently this was the place that they could find a way to eke out a living. Make no mistakes, just like today, being an immigrant and at some level, if I'm from Moab, the Israelites are not welcome invaders. We might call Eli Melech and his family illegal aliens. And it wouldn't have been easy for them to make a living, but somehow or another, God blessed them enough for both of their sons to find wives. Ruth is one of those two wives. Things turn around, but Eli Melech himself will die. Things will turn around back in Israel and the family will head back. But the two sons will not survive. They too will pass away like their father does. And so Naomi is left without a husband. Naomi is left without sons. She just has these two daughters-in-law. As she approaches the border of Israel, she says, you can, you can, stay, gone, you can stay home, but that powerful line... Preston, thank you for doing such a good job of reading it. That powerful line that says, where you go, I'm going to go. And your people are going to be my people and your God are going to be my God. And to a certain extent, we should hear it ring with what Rahab had to say in Jericho. I've heard about what your God did in the Red Sea. And I, we've heard about what your God did in conquering Og and Sihon, the Amorite kings. And I want my life to be joined to your people and your God. And so it is here, Ruth, following that example of somebody who's not too far up the family tree, to say, I want to be with you. I know who I am. And if the Israelites were illegal aliens in Moab, when Ruth returns to Bethlehem, she is the most hated of all the illegal aliens. The, Moab, the Moabites were, were particularly condemned by God because of their response to the people as they were sojourning for the 40 years in the wilderness. And God put a special curse on them. And yet, here, Ruth the Moabites. Does your translation have that word? It's, it, it becomes almost too, mu too much of a mouthful. But every time we say her name, we make sure to say, this is not somebody clean as the driven snow. This is not somebody who's come from the right place. This person is from the wrong side, the way wrong side of the tracks. In fact, we might say that she's from the wrong side of the tracks on the wrong side of the tracks. She's the wrong person. And yet she's the one expressing this incredible loyalty to, to Naomi. Chapter 2 introduces this wonderful story of how the women arrive, and again, just like any kind of immigrants, just like any kind of illegal aliens, they suddenly have to kind of figure out how to make a living. And there's no men in the family to farm the family's land. There's no time to have planted crops. They arrive at the harvest. And Ruth goes out to see if there's anything 
to pick up in the fields, in the corner of the fields, just enough to get by on. And the text loves to crack a big smile and say that Ruth just happened to arrive in the fields of Boaz, a man named Boaz. What we know is that that phrase should have made everybody in the audience giggle. If you read the story with any kind of history with God, you know that things don't just happen in this sort of thing. Instead, God has a bigger plan, and Ruth, the foreigner, is in the hand of God. In a very powerful sort of way, God is already setting up, and has, has been already, setting up to say to Israel, it's amazing to me how unfaithful you can be when these foreigners can so often be incredible models of faithfulness. Jesus will use the same tactic when he tells the story to the, to the lawyer who wants to know who his neighbor is. And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, the most despised of people in that day and time, and to the people he was talking to. And yet he made him the hero of the story. In the same way that Jesus will speak of the centurion, who Jesus says, I'll go with you to heal your sick servant. And, and the centurion says, no, you don't need to come with me. You just say the word. And he says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. In a very powerful way. The writers of the Old Testament want to highlight this idea that when we look for faith, we don't always look inside the boundaries of Israel. Boaz not only lets her come to the field, but he shows incredible kindness to her. He is already a person of kindness because he's left the corners of his field, as God instructed, uncut so that the poor can come and glean. But he then tells his servants, leave a little extra. Don't put everything in your sheaves. I want, I want there to be a lot for her to take home. And at least it's a possibility that the reason that he does this is not because he finds her an attractive woman, but because he knows Naomi. And he says, if I'm going to be faithful to Naomi, I need to help this woman out. In chapter 3, a very interesting scene takes place. Moms and dads, you need to read it with your kids. I'll let you explain every, all the details. But before it's done, Boaz wakes up and finds Ruth. And he says to her, it's interesting how the language works. Because Boaz has shown kindness to Ruth, and now Boaz says, you are showing kindness to me. We found in a lot of different contexts, and we need to interpret it closely. But the key word is the idea that she wants to be loyally faithful, as she was to Naomi. She wants to be loyally faithful to Boaz. And, it, and he sees it not as an obligation. He doesn't see her, and again, this will contrast with the second person in our story, the second woman. He does not see her as an object to be taken advantage of. He sees her as a giver of a gift. He sees her as one of those people who in God's relationships with each other, love your neighbor as yourself, the Leviticus passage that he's read and heard before. He is cared for her, and she is caring for him. Chapter 4 brings us to a marriage between Boaz and Ruth, and it's a wonderful story of covenant, of making sure that, that the, the proper person is in the proper place and the proper conversations take place. Everything about chapter 4 is done exactly the right way. And if you think that chapter 3 raises a few questions about how things should be done, chapter 4 solves all those problems. And it is Boaz 
who stands up and says, I want to do this the right way. The result of that marriage is that Ruth and Boaz have a child. But when we get to the last line, the last line, the purpose of the book is to say, look how God restored Naomi. Look how God cared for Naomi. No matter how difficult her circumstances, God was not going to give up on her. And in many ways, the book of Ruth, following the book of Judges, where so many things go wrong and so many things are bad, and Israel might say, is there any hope for it at all? Because God may have abandoned us. The little story of Ruth and the example of the way that God cares for Naomi in the most interesting and winding sorts of ways reminds the people of Israel that he has not abandoned them and that he intends to restore them as well. Ruth will teach us three things. And it is amazing how this book and the relationship between Ruth and Boaz will illustrate things that will become a truth in Jesus' life and should be a truth in our own. We find this incredible unexpected loyalty. The unexpectedly of loyalty of Ruth to Naomi and Boaz to Ruth and then Ruth to Boaz. And in reality, these are people in this story who are simply showered with the loyalty, the loyal love of God. He's not going to give up on them. He's not going to let them go. And it just flows back and forth between those people. Jesus, Jesus, the proclamation of the angels, the proclamation of the shepherds, the proclamation of the heavens through the star was God has not left. In fact, God wants to be sure we know that he is with us in a way that is greater than we could have ever asked or imagined. He became flesh to be with us. Secondly, we find this unexpected kindness word all over the place. The kindness of, of Boaz to follow God's law, to be sure and care for the poor. The kindness of Boaz to, to not just leave extra, but to, to send her home with an abundance. The kindness of Boaz to make a relationship right. And we find in God this kindness to say to us, I know I'm going to find you in broken places. I know that your life is going to lead you into brokenness. Your choices, your selfishness will often lead to that brokenness. But I will kindly deal with you in my mercy to bring you home. And so ultimately what we see in God's witness and in the life of Christ and what God points us to is unexpected love. Unexpected love to a neighbor who lives next door. Unexpected love to brothers and sisters in Christ in the many ways that we do that. Unexpected love to the people in our society who fit the same bill that Ruth did in being that illegal alien. Someone who nobody wants to have anything to do with on the surface because of her circumstances and who she is. But instead we choose, as God chooses, to extend that love. The story of the wife of Uriah the Hittite, or Bathsheba, her story is found in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. There are some other parts of her story that comes up. 
But mostly what her story is centered on is the idea of David seeing and taking. This is a long story. You can kind of trace it through the whole Bible. It's kind of interesting because if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, it was Adam and Eve who saw and took. And constantly we come back over and over again to this process of seeing and taking. And it should be directly contradicted to, what did you do to that baby? I didn't see Marshall when you came in, but we're so glad to have Marshall here. It is exactly the opposite. Because what God does is he sees and he gives. Notice John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he saw us and he gave the greatest gift he had to give. Jesus will see the people and how they're like a sheep without a shepherd and he gives his compassion to them. Not just a feeling, but he gives his life to them as far as he can go. David sees and takes. You may have heard the story told in a lot of different ways. But ultimately, we cannot escape the reality that David is the powerful sovereign who takes advantage of the powerless woman. David is the powerless sovereign who can, and again, you, you, you think you, you don't see it in the story, may not see it with Bathsheba. If she had refused to come, what could David have done? Let's be done with her. And you say, well, David wouldn't have done that. What did David do to her husband, Uriah? We'll be done with him. Lots of scheming, lots of tricking, lots of trying. But ultimately, he was willing to wield that ultimate power. To see that he needs to get to an end and take whatever action it took to get there. She is a victim. She hasn't sinned. She is not the cause of this brokenness. This brokenness is brought upon her. And maybe in many ways, we relate to her character as much as we do any others. Because we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. But in a powerful way, we all also carry a little bit of a victim heart in us. I didn't do anything. I didn't deserve this. I didn't put myself in that situation. And look what's happened. We sort of recognize the consequences of our sin, but what we hold in our hearts as a grudge against God are the things that, I didn't do anything wrong, and terrible things happen. Or maybe, maybe you join me in this. It just almost always seems that when we're ready to give something extra, when we're ready to kind of serve somebody in a way that's a little bit above and beyond, That'll be the time that things a left turn gets thrown in there. I don't know. I happen to know that no matter how much Google Maps can help us, and no matter how accurate the information is, every year when I deliver presents, got to go on a little journey to get there. Not going to just wind up there in one fell swoop. Got to work at it. I'm doing something good for God, shouldn't... Google, God should cause Google just to drop me off at the front door and everybody be there and everybody speak my language and no misunderstandings or anything like that. It never happens that way. You say, God, why can't you do something about this? 
does over and over and over again, just as he does with David and the woman that Matthew won't name, but that we know as Bathsheba. While we can always point to and strive for love to be the message of our life, we know the true story of love is God's steadfast love that stands against all our human brokenness. Amen? And what we have to affirm is that God's steadfast love will always be greater than our human brokenness. Church, God's steadfast love will always be greater than our human brokenness. See, no matter how many messes I can get myself into, God's love is greater than those. And no matter how much brokenness the world around me inflicts on my own life, disease, loss, grieving and mourning, God's love is bigger than all those things. Somebody say, Amen. And God's love isn't just greater than our human brokenness, but God's love transforms the brokenness around us. God's love toward David through Bathsheba and all the sin that took place there will still use that relationship to bring us the next king and in reality bring us the great eternal king. That is transformation. That is taking brokenness and not just well, maybe I can make something a little good out of it, but life-changing good that comes because of God's greater steadfast love. You're invited. I'm invited. We're all invited. Everybody online is invited to accept the love that is offered in Jesus and take whatever today's next step in trusting and putting our faith in Him. That may well be a first step of saying, I can't live without you, and my brokenness can't be healed by anything else. I need the waters of baptism and contact with the blood of Jesus. It may well be that you say, I just need to trust Him a little more in finding a softness in my heart for the people in the world that I find hard to love. It may be that you need prayers of this church, because in your life there are people that are hurting, or maybe you are hurting. Whatever the next step of faith is for you, you're invited to accept God's love is big enough to address it. And we want to help you in that in any way that we possibly can. If you're online with us, there's a number that you can send a text to. And we would love to start a conversation about what that next step of trusting Jesus looks like. What that next step of receiving his love and becoming his love in the world. We're going to sing a song. And I don't know how you're going to respond to the invitation, but I invite all of you. You don't need to walk forward. You need, don't need to take a step. But our lives need to be changed by the love of God. All of our lives need to be changed by the love of God. And I pray that you won't leave that seat that you won't leave this auditorium, that you won't leave this building and parking lot without a sense 
of how your life is going to be a little different. Not because you're so good. Because we're all broken. Want to say amen to that? Because we're all broken. But his love is greater than our brokenness. Let's come and sing. Oh, come, body faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come, ye, oh, come, ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. for the Lord's Supper, one thing I was thinking about, you know, when Christ was born, things were put into motion for the cross, and what a joy it is to know that somebody came to earth, walked here with us, among us, understands our faults, our sin, but the grace is sufficient for everything that we have done and for what we need. So as we uh, prepare for the Lord's Supper, let's sing this song, Lamb of God. Your only Son knows him to hide, but you have sent him from your side to walk upon this guilty side. Oh, yeah, man. 
This morning we were reminded that no matter where we are from or what we've done, that Christ came for us and that he invites us to him. So um, passage in Matthew 11, Christ says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As we take this communion this morning, let's remember that that promises to us as well. Uh, Join me in the prayer for the bread. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for this remembrance that you've left us. The opportunity to uh, take this bread and to remember remember Jesus, particularly his body that he gave um, on our behalf. Thank you for the life that he um, lived here on this earth uh, to show us what it was like to be human in relationship with you. Lord, we ask that you would help us to imitate him as best we can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Join me in prayer again. Dear God, we thank you now for this cup that we share and that we have used to help draw our minds to the idea that Jesus gave his blood for us. Lord, uh, help us to recognize the significance of that and the the, the love that you show for us, to be willing to die for us, um, even as we had no inkling to to make right with you or to be uh, good or to restore our relationship with you, you were willing to to do that for us. Lord, help us to uh, to appreciate that uh, gift. Help us to live into that gift. Help us to uh, do our best to show that love for others. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never get be thirsty. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the, for the life of the world. And finally, will you join me once again for a prayer for the giving? Lord, we thank you for the many ways you bless us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time of year where, where it's what we call a time of giving, where people are more conscious of needs around them and more conscious of our own blessings and our ability to share. Lord, help that to carry on throughout the year. Help it to constantly shape um, our lives. Help us to constantly be appreciative of the way that you've provided for us and help us to be mindful of those who are in need. We ask that you would bless the gifts of this congregation, that they can be used to further your kingdom here on earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, I want to thank uh, all of you for being here this morning and for those that uh, are here on live streaming also. 
want to thank Alan for his sermon and about uh, Ruth and Bathsheba and the, the love that God had for them, whether even though that uh, what all they had done and, and where they came from, whether they were an outsider. So, um, I have several announcements here. One, one of the announcements I want to make is that uh, starting uh, in January, we will be starting the process for selecting some new elders. Uh, there's a steering committee uh, that will that is being created that will uh, uh, be announced on January 10th. And so you should all be uh, remembering that. Uh, let's see, I had, I want to remind you, there's a lot of stuff in the caring and sharing. I'm not going to be able to go through all of it. Uh, it has a schedule in there for the next few weeks here. We'll be, uh, uh, you need to uh, look at that. For instance, there was no Bible classes today, and, and there, there are other things in there that you might feel also want to look at. Um, let's see. Um, earlier, Alan announced uh, the Arms of Hope uh, gift cards of uh, over 1,000. Actually, Gary says it's 1,020. And I have a, a uh, letter that uh, the Arms of Hope had sent uh, thanking us I don't think it's for the gift cards yet, but it uh, thanks us for our generosity for 2020, and it lists several of the uh, things that they've accomplished at Arms of Hope, and, and I don't uh, really have time to go through that at this point, but uh, they have done, they do a lot of work there, and, and we uh, uh, need to pr appreciate what they've done there, and, and they are appreciative of what we, the help that we give them. We also have some thank yous in, in uh, caring and sharing too that I, uh, it would be good for if you want to read that. Uh, I, again, I, I, I'm not going to read that at this time. Uh, we do have a shower here at the church building at 2.30 uh, for Kelsey Phillips and Josh Koss. So that's something that's uh, coming up here really quickly. Um, I'd like to... Uh, cover some of the people that are on the prayer list here and some that have not been mentioned. Um, we had a communication from Sylvia about her son Israel Jimenez, get that right here. Uh, he has Hodgkin's lymphoma and he's back in the, in the hospital here and uh, he's having a, a little bit of a rough time and we need to keep Sylvia and him and their family in our prayers. Carletta Mulkey, who is uh, Linda Hickel's mother, uh, fell and broke her hip, and she had surgery in, in Idaho. Uh, Orlene Nakin had surgery on her sciatic nerve in her back. And uh, Raymond Wadi is going to have knee replacement surgery in, in January, and his wife Rosalind is suffering with back pain. Also, Ali Watt Wade, uh, who is on our prayer list here, and is, has had some setbacks recently, and, and so we need to keep her in, in our prayers also. Let's see. I think I've covered everything that I wanted here. Uh, before I pray, I'd like to read Psalms 34, 1 through 10. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. 
Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from my fear. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and worry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we want to humble ourselves before you and praise you for creating all things. We thank you for the love that you have demonstrated to us and to continue to give us. We would like to lift up the names of those who are on our prayer list, and we ask that you apply your healing hand and comforting hand to them. Father, we ask that you help us glorify you and to seek you and to fear you so that you will protect and deliver us from our troubles. We thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's all be standing. Angels, we have heard on high, sweetly sing. 